Hello, and welcome back to But I'm a Professional. This is a podcast where we attempt to improve upon our professional lives in the, dare I say, warm embrace of evidence-based recommendations from the nurturing world of organizational psychology. I'm your host and your guide, Nancy Elizabeth, and I'm here to help. Come on in professionals, let's get started. Well, you've come back and I welcome you. I welcome you to our management mini series for which the title is What We Get Wrong. A bit of a departure from what we normally do here on But I'm a Professional. Um, this, this management mini series is unlike other episodes in that the, what we get wrong episodes are, first of all, they're aimed specifically at people who manage others. Um, and secondly, they're, uh, very much about, um, commonly seen, heard, read about, uh, management issues, uh, for which there are a not insignificant uh, number of fixes for in organizational psychology literature. Um, I mean, I, you know, I also appreciate that it's a really tough space to inhabit, inhabit. You sort of, you have to be in this space of both absorbing complaints from below and at the same time trying to appease the wishes from above. And on top of that, it's often a role that people stumble into um, just because they've, you know, they've um, been promoted and been promoted and been promoted, which fantastic. Good job. Well done. However, that often happens with very little training of any sort involved. And even if there was training um, in that mediocre <laughs> rise, meteoric, oh God, Freudian slips oh, so early in the episode. Even if there is training in that rise, it's, it's, you know, oh God, pedestrian at best, ill-informed at worst, you know, it just, it's such a, um, insufficient, uh, insufficient approach to, to the, the needs that are actually there as far as management development goes. So yes, I welcome you and I apologize. I apologize on behalf of those around you. Um, who never thought it would be a good idea to create some sort of useful managerial development scheme. Um, I apologize for those around you who demonstrated a what not to do approach rather than a what to do approach. And I apologize on behalf of those around you who shrugged and said they were late for a meeting when you said, oh, I don't really get this. You're with me now, and I don't play those games. We're going to fix this. Okay. We have some wrongs, uh, but we are going to make them right, or at least get started on making them right. And we are going to do that by putting some, um, evidence-based practice into place. Okay. So don't you worry about a thing. I want you to lean in. I want you to listen close and I want you to light up that do not disturb sign because it is time to learn. 
speaking of learning, how can how can I put into words? Okay, at the risk of offending copyright protection, uh, the listening audience and Lionel Richie, I'm going to sing you a few bars of endless love. No, I'm kidding. When I think about learning, that song goes through my head. I don't know, and I don't know what this is about me. And I don't care because I love it. I love it so much. I loved learning. I loved school when I was a kid. Um, my entire career, it's not been a path. It's been more of an overgrown jungle. Um, it has included various forms of learning. I've been a teacher. I've been a trainer. I've worked in learning and development in academic management. I'm still studying now, you know? I mean, shout out to my fellow mature, quote unquote, masters, students everywhere. Yay, go us. I can't quit it. I friggin love it. Um, why do I love it so much? I mean, how could you not? I just, I think it's, it's potentially one of those, those things in life that speaks to really essential parts of what makes a human human. So things like, um, you know, having, having a curiosity that doesn't go away or, or the search for novelty that humans go for, um, the desire to, to master something, the desire to be a part of something, to be connected to something. I think, you know, okay, so language capacity makes humans human, right? It's one of the, it's one of the first collections of, of like sort of systems and structures that we learn. Um, but, but I think that's indicative of how there's, there's some wiring in your brain that first of all, made that um, possible and was such a drive and uh, inner drive for that. And it doesn't go away. And so, you know, long may the learning continue. Be a lifelong learner. Um, yeah, I just, I think it's great. Um, I, one of the things though, I must say, perhaps because I love it so, so dearly, uh, learning, or perhaps because I've spent so much time in, you know, classroom-esque spaces uh, or learning spaces, both, you know, the tangible ones and the sort of conceptual ones. I feel a unique sort of, what is it, heartache, uh, heartbreak when I see learning, you know, being misunderstood or mistreated or, um, you know, it's, it's potential not being realized. It's just, it's such a powerful thing and it's such a, it's so full of potential. I just, I, I shudder and I can't bear to see it, you know, chopped up, uh, mechanized to within an inch of its life and, or, or, you know, worst of all, ignored, just entirely ignored into disuse. And, and I mean that on every level. I mean that on the level of, you know, how one, how an individual engages with learning potential throughout each day or throughout each, um, you know, year. Um, and I also mean it on an organizational level that sort of, you know, uh, we, we have an L&D department there, but we are also a very siloed organization and the L&D department doesn't talk to anybody and we don't talk to them. Um, 
I also mean it, dear manager, on your level and how you may be contributing to perhaps a climate that perceives learning as a chore or a bore. Ugh. I, I could despair, I could weep, but I, I shall not because you deserve better. And that's what we're going to do. That's, that's why we're here today. Okay. I have, I, I refuse to fully and entirely upset myself with um, looking at the state of affairs. And I, I commit to doing something in the opposite direction. I must add my voice to the discourse that, that woefully misunderstands learning. And I do that in the high hopes of, um, well, indeed, improving understanding and and daring to dream to to get closer to a place of effectively applying the the potential that exists in the learning space. Okay, that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna we're gonna get it right. We're gonna make it happen. So how are we gonna do that? Well. First of all, what is it? What are the wrongs? What are we still getting wrong? What do we continue to just slam into all the time that causes us so much problems, so many problems rather, uh, around learning uh, in, in as as uh, managers and organize in organizations? What is it? Do you have any guesses? I would like you to write them down, and then at the end of this to check. Unsurprisingly, I do feel I have already got a little ahead of myself here. This is probably going to happen a lot in this episode. Oh, there's so much to say. Mm. All right. If so far you've been listening and you have, you have thought to yourself, hang on a second, learning, what's this got to do with me? I'm not in HR. I'm not in L&D. Why I'm the procurement, the portfolio lead for Northern Europe. Um, first of all, what a title. My stars, what do you actually do? Um, second, we're, we're talking today. We're going to cover a much broader definition of learning. I wish this had a visual component. Maybe I need to put something in here every time I make quotation marks because I feel I do it enough. <clears throat> Pardon me. I do it enough to warrant some sort of sound. Can I put like a, a like a, like a, um, you know, like a Tinkerbell sound around it? Bring. Learning. Bring. Can't do it at the same time. We want to think about learning as a concept right? I, I don't want you to think of it, it as the, the word that's in the subject line of, of the emails that you probably don't read. Yeah. I want us to think of it uh, as, an, as like the act, the act of learning, the capacity for learning that exists both within you and your team and your organization and in the world in general. The galaxy of learn okay anyway you take my point this isn't the um, 
the sort of um, businessified jargon of the word. It's it's the the concept of it. That's what we're talking about today. Yeah. So with that in mind, now that our heads are in the correct conceptual space, let's let's pin down some uh, pain points, some potholes, some errors you're probably uh, making. And it's not because uh, you've done anything wrong. You've simply been tossed into a management position and nobody thought it was a good idea to teach you anything, which is very unfortunate uh, and unfortunately very common. So yeah, we're going to identify some of the uh, common wrongs, the things we're getting wrong, and then we're going to talk about how to get them right. Well, first of all, what is right, and then how to get there. So without further ado, let us begin. Wrong number one. When it comes to learning, far too often people equate learning with the word learning with the word training, Okay. Le sigh. Please, if you do nothing else today, promise me you will stop equating learning with training. They, of course, are related, but they are not the same. Um, you know how all Labrador retrievers are dogs, but not all dogs are Labrador retrievers? It's that, okay? It's that thing. Uh, learning is, you know, I suppose this comes back to, to what I, I led with uh, in this section. Learning is something that's, that's a concept. It's happening all the time, right? Whether you want to or not, you are a learning machine. And as long as we in the office in in professional spaces if we're just using those two words interchangeably um what we accidentally do is we put a limit okay we put a limit on what the learning can do uh where it can happen with whom it can happen and ultimately we're not valuing the the possibilities that exist in a you know in a non-training space or non-training shape if you like okay so so as a very, very good place to start, and if you literally nothing else, I, I would like us to begin thinking of um, uh, speaking about, uh, indeed, par participating in learning as broadly as it actually exists, okay? It is, it is social, it is sometimes informal, it is hopefully lifelong, uh, and it's crucial. Okay. And, and like I said, it's ongoing all the time. And so one of our, one of our jobs is to, as managers is to see that opportunity, see that, that, um, you know, sort of passive learning that's happening all the time and turn it into much, a much more active, uh, learning process. Okay. So that's wrong number one. So we're getting away from that language of learning equals training, training equals learning. Not quite wrong. Number two. One of the things we get wrong is um, pushing learning into inadequate spaces uh, and or inadequate shapes. What do I mean by that? Okay, let's let's start with the spaces things. Uh, spaces thing. A few th a few different types of space. So, for example, organizational space. Yeah, as far as organizational design goes. 
you know, think about yours. If if you have any, if you have a, a an L and D department at all, is it under the umbrella of HR? Is it sort of pushed over into that side of of um, SBUs, uh, the business unit? If it is in your organization designed that way, then the learning that the HR department sees fit or has time actually to to um, be worthy and uh, worth divvying up the energy for is it's very compliance ish, right? So you know, think mandatory training for I don't know fraud awareness or something. Which isn't to suggest that that's not required. Of course it is, but it's such a tiny, tiny part of what is is needed um, for for managers and teams to do well. Yeah, um, that limited and sort of often uninspired is just an excellent way to sort of convince employees that learning and development is you know the chore or the bore. Um, but also just is entirely missing huge, huge sections of learning that needs to happen or, or, you know, could happen and to the great benefit of literally everyone involved. Um, I don't think that it should fall under HR, but if it does, uh, you're probably not going to be able to change that and that's okay. We can still make it better. Okay. So anyway, that's what I mean by, um, just, you know, thinking about, okay, where, where are the spaces in which it happens and what type of learning is happening in those spaces? And then what is it missing? And, you know, so what, what can I do in that, in that blank space? Yeah. Um, I also, when we're talking about spaces, put, putting learning in inadequate spaces, um, I'm also talking about physical spaces sometimes, because I think off the top, I mentioned, um, sort of the the traditional ways that learning happens often uh, think about your the last sort of training session that you did in a conference room somewhere um that shape of one-time event separate from work and you go somewhere and you do the learning and then you finish and you leave that space and you equally leave the learning behind in that space. Okay. That, um, causes us a lot of problems as well. So what we're going to talk about is how we can take learning out of that, that space. And it, again, we, we're not suggesting that, um, that's no good. It's just, it's not enough. It, it can't do everything. Right. And there's so much more that we can, we can do with a few minor adjustments to, to improve on that. Okay. Um, that is also what I mean when I'm talking when I'm talking about the shape being in, inadequate. It's not enough to just do some kind of set training program, or it's not always a good fit. Sometimes we we sort of you know use that as a, a sort of a, a band aid for problems, but actually it's not it's not the answer. We need something different. Um, and so that shape of again going somewhere, doing a, a few sessions on something, and then coming back out of it. Um, that that's uh, problematic for a certain type of problem that requires, you know, more consistent input over a longer period of time and, um, you know, in your job and that kind of thing. Okay. So that's problem number two. Spaces and shapes are, are often inadequate. 
number three thing that we often get wrong when it comes to learning is the mistaking the role. Okay. And so again, we sort of touched on this. So I guess there's quite a bit of overlap in this episode, but um, that's fine. We're comfortable with that. It, as a manager, um, learning is absolutely and entirely your responsibility. Okay. And so while I'm not talking about trying to tread on anybody's toes in HR, because A, it's not, there's no point to that. And B, you know, what they're doing is I'm sure fine and necessary. It's just not the whole thing. However, it's, you know, as a manager, it's part of your responsibilities um, to those you do manage and uh, to yourself and to the, to the organizational climate, to the team climate. It's, it's a part of your responsibility to better understand learning, better understand um, how to, how to involve that in your role and how to, how to uh, deploy that in your teams. Okay. Um, I was reading, I read an article recently in the Guardian. What's the title of it? Hold on one second get a load of this. The title was Bad Management Has Prompted One in Three UK Workers to Quit Survey Finds. Woof. Okay, other than the fact that the whoever wrote that obviously skipped the reporting school's day on sort of, you know, pithy headlines. Um the article was really interesting for for what was left out of it uh as much as what had made it into the article. So I mean, read it and see what you think, but but my reflection was, and my takeaway was, management training is, of course, hugely important. And they, t- you know, the, the article talked about how much that's missing. But that training, um, as we've talked about already in this episode, is often done, um, you know, fairly, I mean, sometimes it's just done poorly. Sometimes it's done with, without any context. Uh, so it doesn't quite fit whatever it is that you do or that your team does. Um, and it's, it's just, it can't, it cannot effectively do all that needs doing, uh, in order to meet the learning needs of both of you as a manager, but also as, as what you need to be able to, to, um, deploy within your team in, in taking part in the learning process. And I suppose potentially if you haven't had good examples of um, effective learning, it would likewise be difficult for you to mimic or to to do that uh, without some kind of training, which isn't to suggest that your organization is going to be, you know, up for uh, paying for that or giving you time to do that. Um. But yeah, you're sort of floundering around blindly in a space where uh, learning would, would help both you and your ability to, to manage others. Okay. So we just want to reestablish again that it is a, a, a really important part of managerial roles. And even if you aren't in HR or L&D, and you don't have any of that training, that's fine. There's still so, so much that you can, um, you can learn and then you can teach and then others can learn. It's all getting very meta. So let us move on. I think you, uh, more or less get the point. Smart bunch, you know? So we've, we've identified some of the ways that we, uh, the major wrongs that we commit when it comes to, to learning. Let us 
focus now on how can we get it right? What can we do? How can we make this happen or get closer to making it happen? That's why we're here. Okay, enough with the prevarication. Get to it. How do we right the wrongs? How do we make this happen? Uh, if you recall, the first wrong was that interchangeability between uh, learning and training. So every time you say learning, people start, um, people in your team think about some kind of formalized training. We want to uh, get away from that and and broaden everybody's understanding of appreciation for and application of uh, uh, ways of learning at work, including you. So how can we do this? Well, a very good place to start is in the conversations that you have with those you manage. Yeah. Um, you want to separate those bits of the discussion. So when you're talking about things like mandatory training, um, you know, from the HR department that I talked about before, that's one thing. Uh, and then a professional development type of learning is another thing. Okay. Um, everybody's organization has their own sort of vernacular around that type of thing, but, but, you know, fill in the blank with yours, that, that sort of the tick boxy, uh, training discussion, that's one. And then the other stuff is how do you actually want to learn and grow and develop uh, in the roles that you have and the career that you're forming and uh, in achieving your goals. Those are the, the separations you want to make in those conversations, okay? And there, there are a couple of ways that uh, you can, on top of that, you can enhance those discussions and conversations. Include things uh, such as the following. It's important to remember that employees self-directing their learning makes it much more likely to succeed. Okay. So rather than you have to do this because I said so, um, the discussion of what are, what are you interested in developing into and how can we work together to uh, achieve that. So include that in your team discussions or your one-to-ones or small group input or all of the above. Um, think about the possibility of forming either um, some kind of CPD plan, a continuing pre professional development plan um, or a learning plan. Uh, again, you, you know, depending on the, the size of your teams and the the shape that your work takes, uh, you'll know what the best fit is. Um, but yeah, if you, you know, for example, if you're trying to develop a team and they've all identified that they're struggling with this, um, the hybrid working model because they feel cut off from each other, then you can put together, um, some kind of, um, learning plan that, that teaches them healthy hybrid habits. Uh, for an amount of time. Or or if there's a skill that's missing in your team, you know, they're, they're all really, really bad at uh, giving presentations to um, people you want to convince to buy the product or be on your side or give you money or whatever it is. Then you set up the, the plan for uh, improving, you know, getting the perfect presentations or something like this. 
whatever it is, you know, identify together, um, form a shape together and you'll have much better buy-in. Okay. Um, and also, you know, again, you're getting people to think about learning in a very, very different way in a much more, um, consistent, constant, continual way. Um, another thing you want to make sure you're including if possible is, um, swapping people out, right? So if you have the availability in your organization to, um, switch people from your team and another team in a way that's useful to have someone go and learn some other stuff and then bring that back. Um, that's, that's incredibly valuable as well. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about in this section, that's a far too underutilized space in my experience is the learning that can happen in in someone's role like as they develop in their role right and earlier when I was talking about learning is happening all the time and if you're if you don't pay attention to it or if you don't use it it becomes passive and it can go in any direction it could be picking up bad habits it can be um you know learning uh, things that make people exhausted or lead people to burnout or things like that. It can be learning cynicism. Um, it, it can be learning something positive. It's just, you know, you have absolutely no control over what's happening. So one of the ways to, um, make better use of that space is people's understanding of how they can learn and grow within their role. And so what I want you to think about in, as a, a manager is, um, something called a ZPD, a zone of proximal development. Fancy, fancy words. Um, the zone of proximal development refers to the, the things that a learner can do and what they can achieve when they have help, support, guidance, encouragement from someone with that skill. Okay, so that can take on a lot of different shapes, obviously, and I'm sure you can imagine uh, the different variations that can take on at work. But if you're thinking about how somebody is developing in the role that they currently have, particularly if you think if you have a very hierarchical organization, so right now they're at level, I don't know, three, and you want them to go to level two or four, whatever your direction going up is what are the things that they need to do in order to get to that next level and how can they learn that develop that grow into that space well what kind of support do they need okay maybe that's coming from you maybe that's coming from a peer who's a little bit ahead of them maybe that's coming from somebody outside of the team um, it can take on many shapes however uh, it's a, it's an important thing to remember. There are things that we can sort of, we can do on our own. There are things that we, we can't do at all. We're just not there yet, no matter if we have, um, support or not. And then there's this big old space in the middle where we, we stretch into that space and we grow into that space because we have someone or someone's around us and resources around us, um, that support and, uh, guide that learning. Okay. So think about how you can do that on your team, uh, with the people that you manage. Okay. 
Very good. Okay, so that's making it happen, number one. Yeah. Getting people away from uh, equating. Whenever you say learning, they just think about training. Uh, that's not quite it. Number two, remember that wrong number two, we were talking about, uh, about spaces and, and shapes, right? Pushing learning into a certain space or, or pushing learning into a certain, uh, what have I just said? Space or shape? The other one. Um, how can we, how can we stop doing that? Uh, how can you, how can you prevent that from happening as a manager? I have to sneeze. Oh God. Oh, I'm allergic to doing podcasts. Um, well, there are many ways that you can write this wrong. And here are some of them, right? So let's, let's recall, even if learning does indeed fall under your HR department and, or your organization doesn't have, uh, a specific L and D role or they do, but they're not hugely effective either because perhaps they focus on those sort of you know, optional one-time only sessions that may or may not fit the learning needs that, that you see in your own team. If, if any of these options uh, sound like what you experienced at work, do not panic. We can still fix this. Uh, I want you to consider instead the importance of something called uh, learning transfer, okay? Now, the reason that I'm talking about this is because one of the, even when you, we have training sessions and even when we have sort of formalized approaches to learning, the things that happen in those spaces, hmm, they often stay there. Okay. And we want to find how we can participate as a manager in, um, in our team's development, how we can be supportive in transferring that learning out of that space and into, uh, their work. Okay. I mean, the phenomena of people going off and learning something somewhere and then leaving it behind is, uh, more common than you'd hope. So yeah, how can we, how can we make that happen? How can we bring that, that transfer, uh, along with us? Well, for this, we're going to reach into the very exciting world of adult learning theory. Okay. Um, I will, as always put uh, links various and many in the Substack that I write for this. Um, and in the notes of the podcast or the blurb of the podcast, um, but also at the same time, if you don't, if you're not out there looking for a deep dive into dynamic transfer, uh, the dynamic learning transfer model, then that's fine. I get it. You're a busy person. However, we should, we should still take these key elements and put them into place, uh, when it comes to getting learning out of a particular space and bringing it into the actual work that you see happening on your team. All right. So let's talk about some of those key elements. Key element, the first, uh, it is very, very important that learners, i.e. the people you manage as they are learning something, it's, in, it's vital that they understand the learning objectives, right? Um, if you don't understand why you're learning something, 
then you probably aren't going to be very open to that learning process. Yeah. Similarly, the learning content that is being used that you're using uh, in any of these different types of learning uh, approaches, the learner needs to be able to identify how that content is supporting those objectives. Right, we're starting to see this thread come through here. You don't ever want um, to be involved in a learning process and to, to give somebody information or to hand somebody something or to show somebody something and to spend time on that and for them to be thinking the whole time, why am I, what, what's the point of this? What's this got to do with anything? So you wanna make sure that you're, you know, you've um, chosen content well to support those learning objectives, yeah? Speaking of learning content, if you are going to create content, which I highly recommend, uh, be sure that that content includes something more than a human at the front of the room talking. Okay, there is a time and a place for a lecture, and you can have an amount of that, but it is not exactly engaging for your learners. Okay. So, you know, when you're, when you're making the thing that you're going to hand out, uh, when you're um, bearing in mind what you're presenting to your learners, you, you know, put stuff in like useful diagrams or um, organizers. Uh, like if you, if you give somebody a handout, whatever the, the topics that you're discussing, there's space for them to um, you know, brainstorm, write notes, uh, answer questions, there are prompts on it, if need be, things like that, okay? Imagine, and, and if you feel really at sea, imagine that the the learner has to pick this up three months from now and look at this piece of paper and understand what what that was about and what they were getting out of that, okay? So how how do you want that that content to be um, in support of that and guide that. Yeah. Very important. Another thing that's really, really effective is making sure that learners engage with one another. Yeah. And so when you're particularly when you're bringing a team together to engage in some sort of learning, again, we're getting away from this idea of just talking at people. You, um, you do a little bit of input, but then, you know, they work in pairs or smaller groups. Um, they, they go through a part of that um, that session where they process and develop ideas together. Um, and, or, and sometimes at the end, they reflect with their peers on what, what they've learned today or things they're going to take away. Um, it's, it's really important for learners to engage with one another, not just uh, listen to you. Okay. Um, another important... Uh, element that we want to make sure we put into place is to create some kind of space for practice to happen and to create that space uh, in a safe way, okay, so that people aren't afraid of the things that necessarily have to be a part of practice, i.e. getting it wrong and trying again and coming up with ways to fix it. So create space for practice. It's a hugely important part of confidence building and overcoming obstacles, uh, etc. The other thing you want to make sure you're including is a sort of what happens next uh, component, okay? Um, 
again, the, the whole point of me telling you this stuff is, is that transfer idea. So, so we want that learning to make it out of the space, to make it out of the conference room, to make it out of the, whatever your, your classroom setup is. This is really crucial for that learning to stick and then also to continue to grow in the future. Think of it like repotting a plant. Okay. Um, that's probably not super helpful. All right, let me give you a real example. If you have done a session with your team on improving the skills, one of the skills that your team needs uh, improving on, and you have identified in the session that they are going to apply this new and improved approach that you taught them to uh, uh, whatever part of their job, and they are going to keep some sort of journal on how it progresses for a certain amount of time, yeah? Then after that time, you come back together and you get them to share what their journals say and talk about how the skill developed, what went well, what hasn't got well, why they think that happened, problem solving ideas, sharing ideas, sharing successes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of this stuff um, is, is part of the what happens next, right? And it's, it's the now what stage of learning and it's really vital and it is um, often left out because people sort of run out of time where they think, well, the learning's happened. We're going to move on. Don't leave it out. It's hugely, hugely important. Okay. Okay. Final component, final wrong made right. And how we're going to make that happen. Remember we talked about your responsibility or part of your responsibilities as a manager in creating a, um, a, a climate, a learning, a positive learning climate. Okay. Remember that you are a model, you're a supermodel. And part of uh, your team and yourself being able to learn well is, is creating an understanding of, of learning whereby your people attach um, certain features that they see the uh, promotion and facilitation of that very thing. Okay. I mean, that's, that's really the difference between culture and climate, isn't it? The climate thing is much, much more actionable and much more, it's much clearer than the idea of culture. Oh, it's just how we do things. But you want, you want people to, when they, the people on your team, when they think about learning and when they talk about learning and um, when they engage in learning to have a more positive and useful set of responses that will guide their behavior in that, in that area. Okay. And, and for you as well, as much as for your team, dear manager. I mean, we've talked about this in a, in a few episodes now, but it, it bears repeating every time. If you are constantly late for a meeting, constantly trying to clear your inbox um, and find yourself not spending time with your teams and not working on these things that we're talking about, then you, you, will, you will see the unfortunate outcomes of that, okay? Um, of course, you need to progress in your career too. You need to develop your role too. But as much as you're engaging in learning um, and sort of leading that with your team, equally, it benefits you too, okay? Trust me, 
you can teach and learn at the same time. I did it for a really long time. So yeah, remember that um, social learning is happening around you all the time. Um, just as a reminder, for those of you who have forgotten that part of uh, that part of Psych 101, social learning theory is the theory that uh, emphasizes how people learn through observation of others. Okay, so other people are their model, um, and other people who they believe to be knowledgeable, uh, they'll base their uh, actions, they'll base their behaviors on them. Okay. Um, I mean, that's a very simplistic definition of it, but broadly, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you're setting the example, but also like you have to be engaged positively in the process and in, in order for those you manage to follow suit. Okay. My God, Peter Parker was right. No, it wasn't Peter Parker. Who was it? His uncle or whatever. Great power, great responsibility, etc., etc. I don't know. Comment below. Right. That is a lot. Let's just let's let that sink in. Also, check your notes from the beginning of this episode. Did you successfully identify the things that, in fact, we get wrong all the time? Did you? Hmm? Very well done. Gold star. I would like to thank each and every one of you for tuning and tuning in today to listen to me equally get excited and horrified by uh, our discussion on what we get wrong about learning. Uh, that was cathartic for me. Thanks for listening. I would like to remind you that you can follow me on some social platforms. Uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter, I am at but I'm a profesh. Um, I have a Substack. You can search Substack Nancy Elizabeth to find it. Uh, this podcast has an email, but I'm a professional at gmail.com. Please do like and share and comment uh, on these episodes in order to help others see the light. I wish you a very good week of excellent management of learning and ultimately feeling the warm and nurturing embrace of organizational psychology. You're doing great. Take very good care out there, listeners. See you next time. Goodbye.